You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Christ issued the Great Commission in Matthew 28. He said, all authority has been given to me, Jesus said, and now I'm taking this authority and I'm giving it to you. And I'm charging you to go forth into every nation and make disciples, teaching them and preaching to them Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of Jesus. Jesus has given us this authority to go forth. He's given me the authority to preach the gospel message. He's given you the authority to preach the gospel message. We have that authority when we read his word and we should be excited about that authority because this authority doesn't come from a president who's limited because he's a man. Have you thought about how much responsibility a country's president bears? They have the power to rule the country. But did you know that as a believer, you also have a responsibility? Pastor Dave tells you today how God has given you the authority to preach the gospel to those who are unaware of Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 10 as he begins his message, Peter's Proclamation. We're going back to the book of Acts. We're going to be continuing in Acts 10, verses 34 through 43. So if you open up your words to uh, Acts 10, verses 34 and 43. Verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all the things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly not only to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. Today's message is entitled Peter's Proclamation. Peter's proclamation. What is a proclamation? What is a proclamation? The definition of a proclamation is a publication by authority. It's an official notice given to the public, and it's usually by someone in authority or a person that has been given that authority to speak. That's what a proclamation is. An example of it would be that king proclaiming that he's going to collect new taxes. Not a very happy proclamation, but nonetheless, it would be a proclamation. Sometimes a proclamation tells people about new laws. Sometimes a proclamation just tells people about the news. They used to have a crier, a town crier, who would walk around and proclaim the news to people. It was the only way they got the news. Many people didn't read at that time. Can you think of any proclamations that that you know of in the past, anything that, that come to your mind? 
Well, every year there's a certain proclamation announcing that a certain Thursday in November is Thanksgiving, the day set aside for Thanksgiving. The President of the United States signs a proclamation every year. That, that started back with Abraham Lincoln, I believe. One of the most famous proclamations happened in 1863 was the Emancipation Proclamation. This was an executive order that was issued by United States President Abraham Lincoln. He issued it on January 1, 1863. It was during the Civil War, and he used his war powers to enact this proclamation. It proclaimed the freedom of slaves in 10 states, 10 of the states that were in rebellion against the Union. And it applied to 3.1 million of the 4 million slaves at the time in the United States. So 3.1 million of them were served by the proclamation of the, of the Emancipation Proclamation. Basically what it did was it freed 500,000 slaves. And nearly the rest of the 3.1 million were freed as the Union Army advanced and took over the South and took care of the South parts. But the proclamation didn't do several things. It didn't compensate the owners of the slaves. It didn't outlaw slavery. And it didn't make the ex-slaves citizens. They were called freedmen, but they weren't citizens. In today's text, Peter's going to make a proclamation to those that are gathered at Cornelius' house. This is a major proclamation, and it declares to them that God is no respecter of persons. And it declares to them that whosoever believes in Jesus Christ shall indeed receive the remission of sins. Peter's proclamation contends that there is no longer for salvation only is good for the Jewish nation, but that salvation is indeed for all. This is a wonderful proclamation. It's very much like the Emancipation Proclamation where he declares freedom, freedom from sin to all who would receive it, freedom from the bondage and the pains and the law of sin. But unlike the Emancipation Proclamation, which was only for a certain group, the slaves, Peter's proclamation is for everyone, everyone, the entire world, whosoever. The Emancipation Proclamation carried the authority of the President of the United States. And as we know from history and most things we think about is the President of the United States is supposedly the most powerful man in the world at this present time. You may argue with that, but that's basically the the forethought. Peter's proclamation carried a different authority. Peter's proclamation carried with it the authority of the Lord himself. The Lord himself gave Peter the authority for this proclamation. When Jesus Christ issued the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he said, all authority has been given to me, Jesus said, and now I'm taking this authority and I'm giving it to you. And I'm charging you to go forth into every nation and make disciples, teaching them and preaching to them Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of Jesus. Jesus has given us this authority to go forth. He's given me the authority to preach the gospel message. He's given you the authority to preach the gospel message. We have that authority when we read his word, and we should be excited about that authority because this authority doesn't come from a president who's limited because he's a man. This authority comes from God himself. God himself has issued this proclamation to us and said, you have the authority, now go forth. Neat thing about this is that Peter heard this commission firsthand. Peter was there when Jesus was explaining to them and teaching them to go forth. Peter took this seriously because he stepped up on Pentecost and preached this proclamation. He unlocked the doors to the kingdom to the Jews that were gathered for the feast. Remember, Jesus had given Peter the keys to the kingdom. He unlocked the door for the Jews. They called him to Samaria, and he unlocked the door to the kingdom to the Samaritans, the half-breeds. And now... Through this proclamation, he's getting ready to unlock the door, which might have been the biggest door of all times, to the Gentiles, 
That's us. Here we see Peter unlocking the door to the world. That the gospel message wasn't going to be solely for one nation. It wasn't going to be solely for one race or people. It was going to be for the entire world. Hence, exemplifying Jesus' words, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. And this is what we see Peter getting ready to do at the house of Cornelius. Peter is obedient to God's call. Ever since the rooftop experience, Peter has received this vision, and he's been trying to put the pieces together. He's been trying to determine just what the vision means. And Peter was obedient to the Lord's call. And little by little, the pieces are coming together. This is an example for us that if we, see, if we hear the call of the Lord, if the Lord gives us a vision, we're to act on it, we're to move forward. And as we step forward, piece by piece, little by little, the Lord will put this vision together until it comes to fruition. That's what I'm praying for you about this building. As we step forward, and this is accomplished, and that is accomplished, the Lord gets the glory. This is not for man to glorify. This is not that Calvary Chapel would be glorified. It's for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be glorified, to show him to a world. It's only a building. Christ is in us. We're the church. Christ is in us. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We carry him everywhere we go. And our job is to glorify him and to give him praise and let people know who he is. That's the purpose of this building. We want God to be glorified. But God commanded Peter to go with the men that Cornelius is sending to you. And he went to Cornelius' house, and now the pieces are starting to come together. And Peter's now knowing exactly what he has to do. He sees everything before him, and it's clear to him now. It may have been fuzzy there for a while, but it's clear, and he's going to make this bold proclamation of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is how the Lord leads us. We said a few Sundays ago that the Lord never usually shows us the big picture. We used Abraham. Get out of that place and go to a place I'll show you. He didn't say, get out of that place, go down to here, and I'm going to go and turn right, then take a few blocks left and go bear there, up here. He didn't even say, don't go down to the Chevy. That's what they always told me when we played touch football. You go down to the black Chevy. I was usually the slowest guy in the field, and they'd say, you go long. I mean, long. But Jesus doesn't tell us that. He says, just go. He says, get thee out of thy father's house. Go. Abraham wasn't even really that obedient. What? Yeah. Because he took his father with him. He said, get out of your father's house. But Abraham took his dad with him. And it wasn't until his dad died that the Lord repeated him, now go. And he went. But see, the Lord even honored the little bit of obedience that Abraham showed. That's what the Lord's asking for us. Be obedient to his call. Be obedient when he calls you. When he taps you on the shoulder, and says, I want you to do this. I want you to talk to that person. That person? Yeah. Be obedient. Walk over there. We're going to get to that in a minute, what happens when you try. But this is what we're talking about. We must be obedient to follow the Lord's lead, trusting in his guidance, trusting in the Holy Spirit, and it has to be without fear. Can you imagine Peter? He comes to Cornelius' house. He talks to Cornelius, and Cornelius takes him into this room, and he steps into this room, and there's all these people standing there waiting because they've been told that Peter's going to tell them the way to salvation. They've been told that by Cornelius. They're all sitting there waiting. they got these wide eyes. Come on, Peter, talk to us. And everybody's looking at Peter. They had anticipation of what the Lord was going to say to them. This proclamation that Peter carries was the gospel message. The gospel message. When we looked at this thing, when I looked at this and I looked at these scriptures and this proclamation that Peter gave, I found five topics that I want to discuss today. Five topics. They all begin with P if you're taking notes. Peter's proclamation, everything begins with P. The first one I see is preparation, spiritual preparation. That's the first thing I see, and this is found in verse 34. 
Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. This message had great preparation. Peter was prepared by the Holy Spirit, and those at Cornelius' house were prepared to hear the message Peter brought. You know, our blessing is greatly increased when we prepare to receive and overhear what God wants us to receive. I mean, when we, when we are ready to receive, I mean, if you open up his word and you just start to read it, guaranteed you'll probably get something out of it. But if you sit before and you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and show you and prepare your heart, I guarantee you're probably going to get a lot more out of it. So you need to prepare your heart. When you come into a church service, whether it be Sunday or Wednesday, and if you've come in prepared, I know the Lord's going to speak to me today, I can guarantee that the Lord will speak to you. It might be through the songs we sing at worship. It might be through the word as we speak it. It might be through fellowship later. But the Lord has something to say to you, so we need to prepare our hearts when we come to church, when we come in here. And this is what I see here. Peter is now overflowing with the Holy Spirit, and he has this new confidence in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. You know, he witnessed what his word, what the gospel message of Christ did at Pentecost. 3,000 people were saved. 2,000 a couple days later. He witnessed the Samaritans and the Holy Spirit falling upon the Samaritans. He has confidence now. Remember, this is Peter we're talking about. Peter always had confidence before, but it was always in himself. Peter always had a great self-confidence. I will never deny you, Lord. They're all going to deny you. But no, not Peter. Oops. For the cock throw three times, Pete. Hmm. You'll deny me. What did we learn? We learned on... on um, over the week, we were, at, we were at the conference. One of the, one of the pastors says that it, tradition has it that every time Peter got up to speak, somebody in the back would go, cock-a-doodle-doo, reminding Peter of what had happened because it was well known of what had happened. But Peter had confidence. Peter had confidence. When the vision came to him on the rooftop, he sought the Lord with meaning. He sought the, what does this mean, Lord? He pondered over it. He meditated on it. And then the Spirit speaks to him and says, guys are coming from Cornelius. Three men, they're down there now. Go greet them and meet them in. Yes, Lord. He walks down and he obeys them. They're Gentiles. He greets them. You know, Peter's drastically trying to make sense out of this vision that he thinks is about food. In, in essence, it is, but it's clearly about freedom. It's clearly about the freedom of of Christ that we have in Jesus Christ to eat anything we want. The gospel message is available for anybody who wants it. So yes, it is. And Peter has it there and he's thinking and thinking and he starts to make the connection. But God has shown me I should not call any man common or unclean. Wow, wait a minute. This isn't about food. It's about men. God is calling men. This is something different. I need to look at this. And he was prepped by the Holy Spirit. The Lord was drawing him deeper into that deeper relationship that he's trying to draw us into. He wants so much to impress upon you his love and so much love that he has for you. He wants to show you wonders and great things. He wants you to be involved in doing great things, greater than he has done, it says. But he needs to draw you into a deeper place. He needs to come into a deeper relationship with me. Peter walks in and all the guests are at Cornelius' house and he sees him and all he does is opens his mouth. He just opens his mouth. Maybe he remembers the words of Jesus when Jesus said in Matthew 10, verses 19 and 20, but when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you at that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now, although this was talking about when he would be arrested, it shows us that the Holy Spirit will speak for us when we allow the Holy Spirit to speak. That we're not to be afraid of what we need to say, that the Holy Spirit is going to talk. We have to, by faith, 
allow the Holy Spirit to be our mouth. He becomes our mouthpieces and the mouthpiece for God's word. We are given that opportunity. Paul prayed in Ephesians 6, 19, that utterance may be given to me that I might open my mouth boldly and to be a maker known of the mystery of the gospel. Paul prayed, I want to make the gospel message known, but I need boldness. I need you to be my mouthpiece. He wanted prayer when he went to share God's word. It's an interesting passage that I looked up this morning in Exodus. I'll read it to you. Moses is talking to the Lord. Moses is talking to the Lord. Actually, Moses is bartering with the Lord. The Lord says, Moses, I've called you, and now you're going to go to Egypt and set my people free. You know, Moses has a million reasons why he can't go. A million reasons, Lord. Well, I don't know who you are. How are they going to know? What am I going to do? Well, in chapter 4 of Exodus, beginning in verse 10, Moses comes up with this plan. He says, then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since. You have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech, slow of tongue. In other words, he's saying, I stutter. I don't have a very good conversation. I'm kind of ignorant, Lord. I don't know the correct words to say. Verse 11 says, so the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Wow. Wow. The Lord has it covered. <laughs> he has all the bases covered. Come up with the excuse. The Lord goes, ah, got that one. Come up with that, ah, got that one too. This is a great example for us to have confidence in the Lord. I don't place my confidence in myself. Heaven forbid. I place my confidence in the Lord. I don't want to place my confidence in a man. Even my most beloved pastor, even in the pastors that I've had in the past, my confidence is not in them. My confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ and in him only. We're not to place our confidence in men. But as we work with him and he works through us and in the very parts of our lives and we're given victory over things, we should gain a confidence and confidence should continue to grow and we should have confidence because, wait a minute, the Lord did this and the Lord did that, and it should give us confidence to move forward. Peter was prepared by the Holy Spirit, and likewise, there was preparation on Cornelius' part too. He was there, and he gathered all the people together. Remember we said he was like Andrew, bringing people in. It says friends and relatives, all his people. He went around gathering everybody he could. Come, you got to listen to Peter. Peter's going to show us the way to salvation. He was a man who gathered people, and they had prepared their hearts. They prepared their hearts, and we're now waiting for God to speak to them. We need to prepare our hearts when we receive God's word whether we read it or whether we hear it. God has revealed himself in his word. God has revealed his will for us in his word. And we must be open to it. We must be prepared to receive it. Listen to what Paul says about the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. He speaks about their preparation for God's word. He said, for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is, it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. They received it. That's what it was. It was the word of God. They received it because their hearts were prepared to receive the message. Their hearts were prepared because they knew that God wants to speak to them. One of my prayers every week before I stand up here on this stage is that God would speak to his people that God would speak to you in a major way. That's a prayer that I have because I know with confidence that God has something to say to each one of you. I don't know what it is. 
I don't know what it is, but I know he has something to say to each one of you, and he wants you to be prepared to receive whatever that is being spoken into your heart today. I know that. So the proclamation contained preparation. It was spiritual preparation. The proclamation also contained perception. It was a spiritual perception. Again, look at verses 34, but we'll add 35 to it. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by them. You know, this is one of those moments when you can hear the voice of Jesus shouting out, Simon Bar-Jonah, flesh and blood has not told you this, but my Father which is in heaven. This is one of those moments where Peter's speaking something that's so profound that it can only come from the Holy Spirit. You ever remember playing the game Connect the Dots? Remember, I still do when I go to the restaurants and I get a kid's menu. I love Connect the Dots. But every time I connect it, it always looks like a three-legged horse. I'm like, Wait a minute, I did something wrong. What's going on here? This is what Peter's doing. Peter is connecting the dots. And this is happening. And then he moves here and this happens. And then he moves here. And everything is being confirmed to him. And everything is being confirmed. And all of a sudden, he's connected all the dots. And he's going, hey, woo I connected all the dots. I know what God wants to say. I know what God's telling me right now. He has connected all the dots. And the picture is beautiful in front of him. He had connected them, and he sees the Lord through the spiritual eyes that the Lord has given him. God shows no partiality. But he said this to Cornelius in verse 28. He said this by himself to Cornelius, and now he's going to proclaim it to anybody who would hear. What was once said in secret, he now proclaims at the top of his voice. Interesting thing here is that this is not a new concept. This is not like something that God just decided to do. This is not something that God... Spare with me a minute. Let me read you Deuteronomy 10, verses 17 through 19. See if you pick up the same thing that I got. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, you love the stranger. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. This is not a new concept. This is why the Lord wanted it all along. This was a concept that man had made. The religious leaders got together and said, put themselves on a pedestal and said, we're better than you because God speaks to our people and doesn't speak to you. Therefore, you're just nothing but dogs. They've placed themselves on some pedestal and saying, hey, there's a little esoteric club. You want to join that? You can't. Sorry. This was not God's plan. It says God shows no partiality. It's interesting that in verse 16 of this same passage, the Lord tells the Israelites to circumcise their hearts and not to be stiff-necked. He says, circumcise your hearts and don't be stiff-necked. Don't be stiff-necked to what you're thinking. Don't be rigid in your thinking. I love this. One of the commentators said this. We often think God sees color. He only sees the heart. God does not see economic status only sees the heart. God doesn't see nationalities or ethnic groups. He only sees the heart. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. 
Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of Acts, an exciting adventure into the beginnings of the Christian church. These first few days, weeks, months, and years of the Christian ministry were filled with much faith and courage. In fact, the very first martyrs were mentioned in this book. It was an interesting time in history for sure, and just like today, some people were eager to hear about Jesus, and others were looking to put those down who follow after him. What are some of the things that have stood out to you about today's message? We'd like to hear about it. Would you give us a call? Let us know how this message has impacted you. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that number is 609-884-5821. If you're in the Cape May area, you're invited to join us at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, and we'd like to get to know you and worship God together this weekend. Check out AssureHopeRadio.com to find out service times. Again, that's AssureHopeRadio.com. And if you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. Just look for the links at AssureHopeRadio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But we hope you'll join us again on the next edition. Pastor Dave will continue on in the book of Acts, helping you understand and appreciate this great book here on Assure Hope.